0: Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap Connecting Business Perspectives with your hosts, myself, Colton Cockrell, and Tricia Stetzel. Our goal is to bridge the generational, gender, and life experience gap in business through our unique styles of gathering information from our guests. This podcast is sponsored by Jim Butcher, who is a relationship banker with Allegiance Bank. Now, let's get it started. All right, hello everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap. My name is Colton Cockrell. I'm a certified financial fiduciary and independent financial advisor with Sharon McKinley Group. And with me as always, I have the lovely Trisha Stetzel here.
1: Hey Colton. Thanks for the sort of great intro. I don't know. I was kind of lackluster, buddy. Seriously. Hey everyone, Trisha Stetzel here, owner of Results Extreme Business Solutions. I am super excited to be here today and we have an awesome guest. We've been cutting up before the show. I hope Colton has some cut up reel that we can post later so my new friend and our guest today, Mr. Dan Garza, is a career senior home lending advisor with Amtex Loan, doing business in Houston, Texas, and the Houston Bay Area. Dan got his start in lending over 30 years ago and is credited for helping to fund over $1 billion, with a B, in real estate loans, mostly to Houston area customers. Dan, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you so much, Kish. I really appreciate it. Colton, good to see you. Hear you.
0: Nice to see you too, Dan. And what he is, what you did not read, um, because Dan is a very humble guy. He actually uh, was a part of three of the biggest banks. He's worked at some point at them. It was Chase Bank, Wells Fargo, and um, it was Bank of America, correct? Bank
2: of America, correct.
0: Perfect. And also, whenever there was um, a SN or. A what is it, a savings and loans? You were a big piece of that, too, until they kind of dissolved,
2: huh? Uh, well, yeah, now you're really dating me. But yes, <laughs> yes. during the uh, height of the savings bank era, uh, I happened to be employed by what was then the largest savings uh, bank in the country at the time. So, yeah. So
0: okay. And so I, I didn't mean to aid you, but I wanted to say all that because you are an expert in your field. You have a lot of experience and you've seen a lot of stuff. Um, so that's why I wanted to mention that. So that's why Dan's show today because he is an expert. So Dan, we only have you for 20 minutes, so let's go ahead and jump on into questions. And this is probably the thing that everyone's talking about right now is refinancing, right? So interest rates are extremely low. I'd love for you to kind of expand on that. um, But also, does refinancing make sense for everybody?
2: Good question. And yes, interest rates are uh, actually at an all-time low. And by that, I mean, since they've been measuring it, this means that we're getting rates today that are lower than our parents during the best rates that were available for them and our grandparents and our great-grandparents. I mean, this is, the, this is it. Um, and so, needless to say, that's driven lots and lots of interest. The media, of course, lets the world know that rates are this low, and it's, it's kind of a double-edged sword because <clears throat> there's so much competition among uh, banks and lenders and mortgage brokers for that refinance business that a lot are resorting to solicitations, mail solicitations. I'm sure both of you have gotten tons of them. I know I have too. And uh, the unfortunate truth is a lot of those solicitations are designed, well, actually all of them are designed to make the phone ring. And to do that, they got to make their offer look a little better than the next guy's offer, uh, which leads into a little bit sometimes deceiving or um, not less than truthful advertising, shall we say. And that's caused a bit of a dilemma because I'll be working with customers, giving them the very best terms that are available in the market, only for them to call me and say, "Hey, I got this mailer that said uh, we should be getting a better rate by X," and it leads to long, drawn-out conversations that uh, that, that take up time. Quite frankly, um, but uh, but yeah, this is an interesting time. And uh, to one question that you asked, is refinancing make sense for everyone? And even at today's low interest rates, the answer is no, not necessarily. You know, there's a there's an adage a lot of people buy into, which is which goes something like, if I can lower my rate by at least one percent, then it becomes worth it. Well, one percent on fifty thousand uh, is only five hundred dollars a year, divided by twelve is whatever forty some dollars a month in savings. Uh, a lot of the costs associated with refinancing are fixed. Uh, and are averaging probably in the neighborhood of 3500 to 4000 So to spend upwards of $4,000 to save $40 a month makes no sense. Conversely, there are people who have half a million dollar loans and are waiting for that 1% savings when the truth is saving half a percent on half a million is $2,500 a year divided by 12 is whatever, $200 a month. And, uh, and the costs are about the same. And so suddenly that does make sense. So, yeah. So for those people who say, well, if it meets the rule of thumb, well, the rule of thumb needs to be evaluated. I guess that's what I'd say.
0: Sounds like a lot of experience talking there.
2: Uh, Well, I've done a few. Yeah. So sure have. All
1: right. So Dan, our loan arranger, what you guys can't see on Zoom is Dave. (laughs) says loan arranger. I'm so excited to have you on the show. So here's my question for you. Back in the March, April, May timeframe, a lot of people were taking advantage of deferring their loan payment on their mortgage. So can we talk a little bit about that and maybe how that affects coming into the rest of this year?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, wow, another misnomer among the public, uh, generally speaking, about deferring and, um, and getting forbearance from, from your bank. So basically, the bank does agree to let you skip payments up to, I think, six months in a lot of cases. And uh, a lot of people jumped on the opportunity, assuming that they could simply just not have to make those payments and never have to make that up. And for some, it's true. Uh, But there's a test you have to pass once you get through the forbearance period. Uh, The bank will come back and say, can we talk about getting your payments brought current? And of course, the response from the customer, if they had the assumption that a lot do, is uh, I thought I got to skip those payments. And the answer to that is, yes, you did. But unless you you can prove that you can't afford to make them up, we're going to require that you start sending money to make up for those Lost payments, right? That's a stunning revelation for a lot of people. Um, and like I said, a lot of people can provide evidence, you know, with bank statements and other evidence that they cannot, simply cannot afford to make up those missed payments. In which case, the lender will recast the loan. In other words, renegotiate uh, the note, the promissory note, um, and the shortage is simply added back to the balance. It's a detailed process and it's involved, but that's, uh, that's the solution that everyone assumes that they'll get after the forbearance period, when in truth, I would, I'm not going to venture to guess how many, but a, a large percentage probably could have made those payments, and when they find out they do have to make those payments, uh, they're a little disappointed. But anyway, that's, that's one observation that I think a lot of people are a little stunned to find out uh, once they've gone through it.
0: Yeah, you probably don't want to assume the best from banks. That's probably your first mistake. So.
2: <laughs> right, right. I mean, I mean, in truth, the the program is designed to help people in their time of need. Um, it's just uh, there's a there's a catch. There's a gotcha at the end that a lot of folks don't anticipate. So. Anyway.
1: Yeah, and I read an article way back in May that uh, four million Americans skip were skipping a payment right because right. they we all thought that this was a great idea they're like oh this is wonderful we can skip a payment and you know you add on to that from may forward i'm sure there were more people and mm-hmm. uh, only a small percentage of those people really actually made their payments right and, and were surprised right. so, yeah. well
2: yeah. you know what i'm sorry an interesting caveat just to add uh, on to that is a lot of folks wanted to take advantage of the low interest rates and in refinance, but guess what the first question the bank asked when they talk to them about refinancing? Are you in forbearance, right? So being in forbearance doesn't disqualify a person from getting a refinance loan, but it does require that you make up any payments you were, you were allowed to skip before you can proceed. Again, another gotcha as, as part of the reality. So... Man, I cut a, you off. Go go, go go right
0: ahead. That's a pretty good gig from the bank. My goodness! Hey, you want a lower rate? Pay up! <laughs> <laughs> wow. Holy cow! Uh, no, I, w- I wanted to ask you this because this is a generational podcast. Uh, I'm just curious, and there might, there might not be a big difference, but if you're when you're working with you know a younger couple who is most likely a first-time home buyer um, versus a you know a more seasoned home buyer. So, like Trisha, for example, she's on her third home. You know, is there a difference in handling those two? Is there certain things to look at? Uh, for
2: sure. Um, well, I think that one of the first observations I have is a lot of first-time bu- home buyers are unprepared for the detail and the, um, and the, the process, the, the protracted process of applying for and getting a mortgage loan. Um, it's not at all like going to buy a car where you go in and talk to the guy and make a deal sit around for an hour or two and walk out with a car. Um, in the home buying process, there's, there's just so, so much more involved, um, not the least of which outside of the mortgage process is the work that the title company does um, to check the background of, on both the property and the buyer and the seller to make sure that there's no uh, you know, hidden things on public uh, record. And so uh, the first time home buyer, yeah, is a little surprise sometimes. And so I try to spend a little extra time with someone doing it for the first time to explain what they can expect, sort of set the expectation. Because if I don't, uh, invariably, because it drags out sometimes for 30 days, um, if they're not prepared after about two weeks, they're starting to wonder what the heck's going on. You know, why, why? Why? And uh, and the unfortunate fact is if I get a borrower that short into the process who's already getting a little edgy, by the end of another two weeks, they're really fit to be tied, right? So it's really smart for anybody as what I do for a living to explain to, especially a first-time home buyer, here's what you can expect to happen, right? And then just sort of spell it out. Um, as far as uh, unforeseen obstacles, you know, uh, credit... Um, well, I, I suppose across the board, it can be a, a, an issue, but a lot of times if people aren't paying attention to how well they manage and handle their credit, uh, it'll definitely come up during the home buying process. And so sometimes it means going back and having to pay uh, unsettled debts uh, or even uh, pay off certain creditors in order to help increase credit scores if that's an issue. It, it isn't always, but uh, it, comes up, it comes up quite a lot. Um, and among more seasoned home buyers, people that fall under perhaps the, um, baby boomers, you know, if they bought one or two or three homes, they're, they kind of know a little bit more what to expect. Also, if someone's buying their third or fourth home, let's say, um, they're buying up, they know what their budget is like. As a loan officer, it seems to be a lot easier to get from, hello, how are you to the closing table with someone who's, uh, buying their third or fourth home, um, but having said that, even though the first-time home buyer may be a little bit more labor-intensive, the satisfaction I personally get helping someone into their first home is off the charts. It's to and to hear them voice their appreciation for the job that we do and that the realtors did to help them into the first home. It just it warms my heart. So. Mm.
1: So Dan, you've been in the business for a while, uh, over 30 years. I assume that you have some connections. Like you're not off just being a loan officer floating around on your own island, right? But you have connections to help clients through the process, meaning title company, real estate agent. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So having those kinds of connections over the years makes getting to close a little... A little easier.
2: Yes, yes. It doesn't hurt at all. (laughs) No question about it. And those of us in the business love working with other experienced professionals. I'd much rather work with a realtor who's been at it for at least 10, 15 years or so. Many that I work with have been at it for as long as I've been at my thing. Same with the title company, same with the appraisers and the inspectors and all the people involved, um, which you know, we, I can't say that without being open arms to anybody coming in to the business and sort of earning their wings because I was there at one time myself and and I remember, but, uh, but yeah, it's great partnering with people who know what they're doing.
0: (laughs) So so Dan, just out of curiosity, um, what's the difference between working with somebody like yourself, um, with, you know, an independent uh, mortgage company versus working with the bank. Good question. You know, I used to
2: take a lot of pride in telling people that I'm a mortgage banker, uh, although I've played both roles, mortgage broker and mortgage banker. Um, and, and it's only because I personally attached a little more prestige to being able to say I'm affiliated with this big bank that everybody recognized, a Chase, for example, or Bank of America. Um, but the truth is, or and the truth is, um, mortgage brokers work with those banks and a host of others. Uh, some sign up and partner with dozens. I've actually limited my partnerships to about half a dozen uh, because I find that they give a big enough menu of products that I don't need to to be nurturing relationships with uh, too many wholesale funding sources. But to your question, the difference is a bank offers products that only they have on their menu, and a mortgage broker offers loan products that are on the menu of any number of banks.
0: Arguably,
2: it means much more selection. Uh, the truth is, as a broker, I have my favorites. There are companies that I develop working relationships with, and I tend to gravitate more to those because we're familiar with one another, just like you and I would doing anything. You know, we go to the same car fix-it shop because we know the guy that works there, and they're friendly, and so on.
0: So, no, that's that's awesome. And I mean, I'm I've always been a huge advocate of working with individuals who are independent who have options. Right. So. That's fantastic. Um, now, you know, we're coming to the end of our, of our uh, podcast here, but I always like to ask a complete random off the wall question. Okay. Uh-huh. So here we go, Mr. <laughs> Ranger. If you had, if you have one week left to live on this earth, what would you do and how would you spend your time? If you had, if no money, if you had all the money in the world, COVID-19 didn't exist, if world peace was a thing, what would you do?
2: Wow. That's an easy question for me as a parent. Right. I'm not sure if you have children yet. Uh, Colton, actually, I do know that you don't have children yet, or at least that we're aware of. Right. We'll talk about that later. Um, but yes, I would reach out to my children and spend the best of whatever I had left time wise or anything else, uh, enjoying them and their company and, and, you know, just, um, having fellowship with those I'm closest to. That was easy. That was an easy one.
0: Okay. Let let me, let me kind of push a little bit more than where would y'all go? I mean, you have all the money in the world. Where would you go with your family?
2: Oh, wow. You know, I, I I think if we knew that our time was limited, the last thing I would focus on is the money and how much we could spend of the money. You know, even, even going on vacation, trying to do too many things and, you know, spend the money in as many places as we can detracts from the reason that you took off to begin with, right? It's to hang out with the people you love and not to spend money. So nah, I don't, uh, I, I think we'd get up on the roof and throw the money off the roof and have a good laugh doing that. You know,
0: Kersha, it, it ceases to amaze me how much thought people put into these just random off the wall questions. Dan.
1: Like, seriously. Did, and here, I hope that everyone listening heard the loan arrangers say that relationships are more important than money. It's amazing, Dan. Thank you for sharing that. So I have a serious question for you. Okay. So first, I will say, Colton said that I was a baby boomer, and by the way, I'm not. However, I have a son that is the same age as Colton. That's where this silliness comes from, right? So Dan, what generation do you belong to?
2: I am a baby boomer. I'm a young baby boomer, but yes. Uh, I'm on the trailing edge, yep,
1: so which generation do you most identify with?
2: Well, that's a good question um because I have two children that are that are both baby boomer, i mean uh, millennials, uh, one on the leading edge and one on the trailing edge i i I, I identify with them, but the truth is uh, and i'm I'm at the risk of sounding uh, like I'm bragging. I don't, um, I talk with people all the time and when I meet them in person, they're sometimes surprised at how much older I look than I sound when I talk to them on the phone. Um, because I try to stay on the, on the front edge and, uh, I talk very candidly the way I would with my best friend, regardless of who I'm talking to. And so, um. Anyway, I forgot your question, but I think it no, answered. No, that's okay.
1: Tonight. And it's it's not bragging at all. I you have done a beautiful job of answering all of the questions that we've given you. And one of the reasons why we ask that generational question at the end is so that people can uh really connect, right? And figure out right. where you're coming from. So yeah, I love that.
0: I think the thirty years experience kind of gave it away though, honestly. Think so? Yeah. Yeah, well, I got started when I was was five.
1: (laughs) Of course you did, Dan. All right, Colton, are you ready to wrap this one? Let's do it. Okay, so in closing, Dan, please tell us again the name of your business and how our listeners might be able to contact you. You're going to have to spell it out since they can Mm -hmm. only hear us. So just when you uh, give your email address, if you'll spell it out, that would be super fantastic. And you can give your phone number as well.
2: Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, it's Amtexloan, Amtex Loan, A M T E X. And my email is really easy. In fact, I'll make it even easier than the one I normally use hello at amtexloan.com. Okay. And uh, the phone number is also pretty easy 713 784 9200. And uh, if I say any more, they'll forget that part. So I'll shut up.
1: <laughs> That's perfect. You've been amazing, Dan. Thank you so much for taking the time to come talk to us today. And I can't wait for uh, our listeners to rewind and play this multiple times. because there's a lot of great information. So this concludes this week's podcast. Tune in next week for another exciting episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives.
0: Thank you again for tuning into this week's episode of Bridge the Gap, Connecting Business Perspectives. If there's a certain professional or profession that you want to hear from, leave a comment in this week's Facebook post. Please subscribe and share this podcast. Thanks again to our sponsor, Jim Butcher, a relationship banker with Allegiance Bank. Colton Cocker with Sharon McKinley Group LLC is located at 820 South Friendsville, Drive Suite 207, Friendsville, Texas 77546 phone number 281-992-5698. Securities and investment advisory services are through Next Financial Group, Inc. Number of Finner's Share McKinley Group is not an affiliate of Next Financial Group, Inc.